0: Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Michael Scott. How are you, sir?
1: Hello, Dana. I am well. How are you today?
0: I am doing well. Doing quite well. Thank you for asking. So, we've made it to the sixth and final, I'm putting that in quotations, final for now, a movie in the Terminator franchise, Terminator Dark Fate. So, Mike? Like I do with every episode in the Terminator Retrospective, I'm going to ask you the first question, which is when did Terminator Dark Fate come on your radar and what if any anticipation did you have for this film?
1: So this is, again, you know, this being a brand new movie, we're we're in a – certainly if you think back to where we started with this series and how Terminator didn't really come on anybody's radar until it was in the theaters and then even then it took a while. We're in a very different media landscape now, right? I mean, big movies are announced two, three years before they even – are made. Um, and so this popped up on my radar, probably on, you know, slash film or some other birth movies, death, some other movie website when they announced that they were making it. And and that was pretty much right around the time. I think as soon as they announced it, they announced Cameron was writing it and Tim Miller was brought on to direct it. And, you know, those are all important names. But I will say that by this point, Terminator had very little cachet with me. So I, I wouldn't say that I was even rem- really remotely that excited. I liked Tim Miller. I thought he did some really good stuff with Deadpool. But other than that, I, I wouldn't say I was very looking forward to it at all.
0: As for me, which is interesting for me to say this, but I'm just transporting myself back to the time when this film came on my radar because obviously listeners know that throughout this retrospective, opinions have changed and and thoughts on the franchise have changed. But when this episode, excuse me, when this movie was announced, I could not give a shit by this point. The Terminator fatigue, if you will, had completely set in. Now, The fact that James Cameron was playing a role in this film definitely raised an eyebrow. And the fact that Cameron and Miller had come out and said, yes, this is going to be an R-rated film also raised another eyebrow. But besides that, I could not care. And then later on, it was announced that Linda Hamilton was coming back. And even that was enough. Like, I was just like, "I, I don't care. So that's where I was at.
1: Well, and it also is just you know Matt Singer from Screen Crush calls them legacy sequels. They're they're sequels that uh, like reboot without doing a full reboot. And this is just you know another one of many that we've had over the last five years. I mean, I guess you could even technically call Genesis one as well of trying to I guess undo you know bad what they consider to be bad sequels. You know, the new Halloween movie, ignoring every Halloween except for the original one. This one ignores everything except for Terminator and Terminator 2. I'm, of course, drawing a blank on on others, but I, I know everybody knows what I'm talking about, and I'm telling you, I got fatigue of those type of movies as well going into this.
0: Well, let me just ask you, just offhand, did you enjoy the Halloween 2018?
1: I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very, very well-made movie. I liked it better when it was called Halloween H2O. I, yep. I don't know why I, – I don't know that that really brought anything new to the tape other than making uh Laurie a lot more uh, emotionally damaged, which was good. I mean, I thought that was an interesting take, and I really liked that. And, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis ruled. But I actually thought for sort of that cathartic release of Laurie, you know, standing on her own against Michael, I thought Halloween H2O actually did it better.
0: Yeah. Well, um, the reason I asked that is because it's actually going to pertain to this conversation. Because when I saw Halloween 2018, uh, I was immediately asked, well, what did you think of the film? And I said, I got to tell you, it was a very good sequel to the 1978 original. However... It's sorely tainted or severely tainted because of, there is 35 films that already exist in the Halloween franchise and it's hard to distance, I'm being saying 35 facetiously, of course, mm. but it's hard to distance yourself from the fact that you've seen that character, Michael Myers, Laurie Short, you've seen it so many times before that it. it when you're asking people to pretend that something doesn't exist, when you tell them, don't think about that, they're going to think about it. And so that is, again, something that's going to pertain to what we're discussing with this film. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, it was. So my my wife had, I think she had seen Terminator 2, but she hadn't seen any of the other Terminators going into this. And she watched them all with me and trying, you know, especially watching them in such short succession like we did for the podcast, trying to explain to her the okay now this one is a direct sequel to this one but this one uh uh, you know obliterates this one from existence and then this one does the exact same thing but it obliterates all of these from existence and it's kind of like man man nobody wants to have to do homework to watch a friggin movie franchise
0: yes no i agree I, i i agree and it's just again i just go back to what i said about halloween there like i thought that was a really entertaining horror film but unfortunately, there was so much in between there. Let's talk about, if we could, let's talk about Tim Miller for a moment. This is somebody that I I've seen Deadpool, I enjoyed it, but I'm not really too familiar with his work. What do you know about Tim Miller and, you know, your thoughts about him signing on to do this film?
1: I know Tim Miller came up through special effects. Like that was sort of his forte. And, and then his first real movie was, in fact, Deadpool. And I thought. You know, for the the what is considered a low budget in the superhero world, I thought Deadpool looked absolutely terrific. I thought the action was clean. Um, I thought everything had a nice look. Uh, there was a lot of practical effects that he did in there. And so I was moderately excited, let's say. Um To see that he was he was signing on to this because I thought if nothing else he could handle the action scenes that that sometimes not all the time, but sometimes are not the best part of of some Terminator movies. You know what I mean? Um, We talked a little bit about how there there are some good action scenes in Terminator three, but then how there's also some that are kind of letdowns. And so I was kind of excited to see him on this. It wasn't enough to really kick my my enthusiasm up because the guy just didn't have enough of a track record for me to really think that he was anything other than, you know, to, to be sure that he wasn't just like a one hit wonder.
0: Yeah, I was surprised because, you know, like you mentioned, he he really had, had only done Deadpool and the estimated budget for Dark Fate is between 185 and 196 million. I mean, that is a that is quite a budget upgrade from Deadpool, and that's, you know, you're putting a lot on a, a, essentially, what, a second-time director? I mean, that's just, uh, it's a bit of a gamble, if you think, on paper.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and based on what I – researched from some of the behind the scenes stuff it it sounds a little bit like he certainly wasn't prepared to handle Cameron as a producer because unlike some of the other movies that Cameron has loosely at least not been involved with but given his tacit approval to at least until the movies came out he was you know very hands on in this one um and i know that miller chafed under that might be the best term. And probably, you know, what are you going to do? You're a second time director on this major movie. It's not like you've got a lot of leg to stand on to push back.
0: Yeah. And, you know, something we really didn't touch on on the last episode was, you know, Cameron came out and like you said, gave his seal of approval for Terminator Genesis. That was about his, the extent of his involvement with that film. This one, and I, I say this kind of like knowing a lot about James Cameron as the the filmmaker, as the 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 man who can do any job on the film set. The idea that they would have a second time director kind of calling the shots really started to make me think about some of those rumors you hear about directors in the 70s and 80s. I'm not going to say names who, who bring on a director and they serve in a producing role, but they're on the set every day. And you start to think that that might be the dynamic that's in play here. And I mean, let's be honest, Cameron, he's He's, he's a tyrant on the set.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, his reputation, we all like his movies, but his reputation as a, when I say not a decent human being, I'm not accusing him of, you know, when I say somebody's a bad person, I'm talking about obviously a lot of the people that we've brought up. But, but, but I mean, I think on a movie set, it's fair to say James Cameron's not the best guy. Like he is, he is, his Anger and his authoritarianism is is Um, well-known, and he's owned up to it. I mean, he's admitted that that's what he's like on a movie set before.
0: Cameron gets a story credit, and we also have David S. Goyer getting a story credit and a screenplay credit. This one was a little, a little bit perplexing for me at the same time, because it hasn't hit, by this point, hasn't his reputation kind of taken a bit of a hit just on a creative level?
1: A little bit, but I mean, the thing is, is Goyer's still got a lot of clout. I mean, he still gets hired to write stuff, and, and Cameron actually brought him in on the writing team. This is one of those movies, you know, we're seeing it more and more, where movies are written now almost like TV shows, where there's a showrunner who, in this case, was would have been Cameron and, and Miller and they, they almost create a writer's room so when this is well, this is interesting to talk about on this one you know when people see six writers it usually is a really really bad sign because it means the script's been rewritten and rewritten and rewritten but on big budget blockbusters like this now a lot of times what it really does mean is they're a writer's room and so yeah there was Goyer there was Egley, there was Rhodes and Josh Freeman who created the Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor Chronicles series Goyer is the one that I think is 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 the most interesting because he's certainly the biggest name. I mean, for those who don't know, he wrote the he wrote Blade, uh, the Blade trilogy. He has written I, I can't even remember how many movies he's written, but he's coming off of writing Batman versus Superman, which is of course uh, at the risk of angering the Snyder uh, fans, uh, generally considered to be a very, very poor movie. Um, and so, yeah, his, his reputation. And in fact, uh, I just pulled him up. It looks like between 2016 and 2019, he didn't work on another movie okay. until. So nothing between Batman and Terminator. Now, he did showrun some TV shows, but yeah, I, he, he kind of retreated to TV there for a little bit.
0: Do you get the underlying suspicion that with every draft, with every screenplay, it all had to go through Cameron? Oh, yeah. You
1: know. I, I think there's I think there's no question about that
0: and we're gonna get into the the plot of the film here in just a little bit but let's take a look at like we've done with each episode what our our, our good pal Arnold Schwarzenegger was up to between Terminator Genesis and Terminator Dark fate and I'm just pulling up his filmography like we talked about you know he's been giving good performances since since uh you know he was governor of california uh we have aftermath in 2017 uh very small film i actually did get a chance to watch this about a year ago interesting premise maybe don't even want to get into the plot of it if people haven't seen it because i think people should just jump right into it have you seen aftermath
1: i actually have not seen aftermath
0: well are you familiar with the plot i am familiar with okay okay well uh, it's good it's it's an interesting film it's a it's a very very small budgeted film um they say based on a true story it is so loosely based on a true story i think it really the real events just gave the writers an idea well we could tell a story based on something that happened 2017 we also had killing gunther i have not seen that what have you seen it
1: i haven't it's another really really uh kind of indie movie i know it's uh for those who watch Saturday Night Live, it's written and directed by Taron Killam. It's his, um, kind of his baby. He writes, directs, stars in it. It's got a bunch of of Saturday Night Live people showing up in it. Um, and and Arnold's not. He he gets from what I understand, he gets very, very high billing, but he's actually not necessarily the hugest part of the movie. My understanding is its reputation isn't great. The reviews weren't great. It, it's not supposed to be that good. But I'm sure people out there, I'm sure there's plenty of people listening that have seen it that that like it, Um, but I have not seen it yet.
0: And uh, then we have him credited as a producer on the documentary, The Game Changers, which is about vegan being a vegan and sort of the the the. Pros of, of switching to a completely plant based diet. I only bring this up because my mom is a, a steadfast vegan, and she sent me a copy of this film. I don't want to go any more than that, <laughs> but she's she very much encourages that lifestyle. <laughs> uh, then there's next one here, which I have not heard of, and I'm hoping pronouncing this correct. Uh, it Looks like it's it's spelled V I Y. So via 2 Journey to China. Haven't heard of this at all. Have you?
1: Yeah. So what it it's. And the U.S. title is is Journey to China, The Mystery of the Iron Mask. It's a it's a Russian movie where they paid a whole uh, boatload of money to some aging but famous actors to show up for a day uh, in the movie Uh, because it's got it's got. Arnie. It's got Jackie Chan. Uh, it's got Jason Fleming who uh, people would recognize if they saw him. Rutger Hauer. It's one of Rutger Hauer's last performances. Charles Dance from uh, Last Action Hero shows up in it. So they just they threw a bunch of money uh, to get a bunch of people to come over to, to Russia and, and star in this big budget Russian movie. Um, I have not seen it. I have seen the trailer. Uh, I was very excited when I heard that the movie was getting made and then I saw the trailer trailer and opted to do better things with my time let's just put it that
0: way (laughs) sure and then we get to dark fate and we'll talk about him in just a moment as far as him being in the film linda hamilton reprises her role of sarah connor now i've Brought up her filmography since Terminator 2, and I'm just going to kind of just go through it real quickly, and then we'll just come back to it, and you can tell me if you've seen anything on the list here. So, after Terminator 2, Judgment Day, she is in a film in 1994 called Silent Fall, 95, Separate Lives, 1997, Dante's Peak. Uh, Dante's Peak is famously one of those movies where... You had two movies about the same subject released at the same on the same year. Think Deep Impact, Armageddon, uh, White House Down, Olympus Has Fallen. And in this case, Dante's Peak and Volcano. So, Mike, have you seen Dante's Peak?
1: I I have seen Dante's Peak. <laughs> I was a vol- I was a Volcano guy uh, okay. out of the two. Okay. I, she's she's good in Dante's Peak. Pierce Brosnan's good in Dante's Peak. It's certainly not what I would consider to be a terrible movie. I actually thought it was going to kind of. Harold a, a bit of a comeback for her. Yeah. I thought it was good. I thought it was, I remember seeing it in the theater
0: and, and at the time, you know, being invested with what I was watching. Uh, I don't think I've seen it in its entirety since then, but I've caught it, you know, 30 minutes here or whatever on TV when it's been on occasionally. I think it's a, a decent film. 97, Shadow Conspiracy, 99, The Secret Life, The Secret Life of Girls, um, 2001, the skeletons in the closet. 2005's Smile. 2005, Missing in America. 2005, The Kid and I. Uh, 2006, Broken. She gets a voiceover credit for uh, Terminator Salvation. And I'm, I'm kind of just kind of, I don't want to seem like I'm being blasé going through these titles, but I don't even recognize most of these movies. Do you?
1: No. No, I do not. They are, they are, I mean, yeah, she was not, she did not springboard into Megastar after Terminator 2 like, like Arnie, you know. Well, I mean, Arnie already was a Megastar, but I certainly didn't seem like she got the career bump that we would have expected her to.
0: Do you think, I'm just wondering if you think that was by, by choice, by just by, you know, because she, I've read articles where she talked about her reluctance, reluctancy to, Take on this movie because she has, she was, you know, by this point semi retired from acting and enjoyed sort of this quiet life that she was living. I'm just wondering if you think that, you know, some of these these choices that she made in these smaller films was to kind of stay out of the spotlight.
1: It it could be. um, I mean, you know, I, I think it's important to mention that, that during this time was also when she was with and married to James Cameron. And so, you know, that might've been part of it because during that time she didn't necessarily need to, be working as much. It is important to also note she did a lot of TV work too, and 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 a lot of very good TV work too. In particular, I I, I do want to mention during sure, this time, please. She was in a Canadian sci-fi fantasy show that I love a lot called Lost Girl. Um, and then she also had a recurring role in Chuck as, if I remember right, she's Chuck's mom. Um, and so it, it's uh, you know, she was doing, she was working. She just yeah, wasn't starring in the block busters um which is i think a shame
0: yeah uh, 2009 hard times 10 uh jonah hex 10 refugee 2016 a sunday horse and then we get to dark fate mackenzie davis when did she come on your radar
1: She came on my radar in a TV show that I watched a few episodes of. I didn't watch all of it, called Halt and Catch Fire with her and Lee Pace. Um, And she's really terrific in it. And, And that's when I first sort of started paying attention to her. And then she popped up in Blade Runner 2049, and she is in what a lot of people's Favorite Black Mirror episodes, and, and honestly, the only Black Mirror episode I've ever watched, which is San Junipero. So she was kind of, you know, she's definitely on the, uh, the up, uh, the extreme up angle of, of her career trajectory at this point. Sure. Just
0: real side note here San Juniper is the only Black Mirror episode you've watched? Yeah. Is that, that's by choice. I'm taking it.
1: Yeah. Not, not that I have, not that I have any, um, Uh, opposition to black mirror it's just there's too much content okay (laughs) i just haven't gotten around to it that's all
0: if i could just put this out there for you if you decide to watch at least one more black mirror episode please 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 make it the uss callister okay you will not be disappointed i promise you it's my favorite of all the episodes and it's it's trust me it's right up your alley you'll love it i i was I, i loved it i will
1: check that one out absolutely
0: uh natalie reyes New to the scene, has four acting credits, or excuse me, four film acting credits uh, as of Terminator Dark Fate. She did have a role in Running with the Devil, which was my friend Jason Cabell's film. Uh, It's just a a minor role in the film. Just want to put a little shout out to Jason there. This is the first time she came on my radar. What about you?
1: yeah yeah you know she she did some work in um uh looks like some you know some south and central america tv shows and stuff but for the most part this is this is the first i had seen her in anything
0: i was surprised to see that she was th- that she's 33 years old i thought you know at least the character that she was portraying was early 20s at best so she y- yeah,
1: yeah, yeah absolutely
0: uh and then we get into gabriel luna Who's the uh, the Terminator or the the uh, antagonist in this particular case? What do you know about him?
1: I have quite a bit of affinity for Gabriel Luna because he was Ghost Rider on Agents of Shield, and he was he played the Robbie Reyes version of Ghost Rider, and uh, he was pretty great as Ghost Rider. He made um, not to show my hand, but I thought he made a far more convincing Ghost Rider than he does a Terminator. Fair enough. All right. Well, we could go down the list of casts, but I think
0: we should just. Let's let's get into the film. And I want to, in order for us to get into the film, I have to get into major spoilers if you have not seen this movie. So, if you've not seen Terminator Dark Fate, this is your chance to pause the podcast, watch the film, and come back and join the conversation. Because I'm going to ask Mike about one more actor in the film. And we cannot get into this discussion without getting into major spoilers. So, there's one other actor that did one day of work on the film, and that would be Edward Furlong as John yep. Connor. Let's just get right into it. This movie asks you to ignore the events of terminator three four and five for lack of a better term and it opens up with the immediate death of john connor Take me through just your experience with that.
1: Well, I mean, as we know, I'm, I'm no big Edward Furlong yeah. fan. <laughs> I, um, I'm not the biggest John Connor fan, and I've repeatedly said throughout this series that the Terminator series has a John yes. Connor problem. <laughs> well, I guess that's one way of solving the problem. Can, um, can I you just, know, I,
0: can, I'm i sorry, can I just <laughs> say that the first time I watched this mo- like not the first time, when I was watching this movie again for this uh, retrospective, I was watching it with coffee in the morning, and when they, they shot in <laughs> I said, there it goes. That solves Mike's problem right there. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. I uh, I, I mean, I don't know. To me, it seems like, you know, I love horror movies, as, as you know, Dana. And, and we, in particular, have some affinity for uh, a lot of affinity for the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Oh, yeah. But. One of the things in Nightmare that has always rubbed me the wrong way is that series willingness to bring back the survivors of the previous movie and kill them off, particularly Nightmare 4, kill them off in the opening 15 minutes of the movie. Because I've always sort of held firm to, if you survive a horror movie, unless you're Ash from Evil Dead, if you survive a horror movie, you survive, you get to... Fuck off and go live happy, uh, in your post-traumatic stress somewhere, right? And so the idea that they're they wanna they wanna increase the big stakes here by just immediately killing off John Connor. I mean, it's something they had to do, right? You've gotta uh, if you're gonna bring Linda Hamilton back, you've gotta figure out a way to take out take John Connor out of the equation because we've gotta change the timeline. But Oh, I don't know. It just didn't sit right with me. I, I can't explain it any better than that. How did you feel? You being a much better, bigger Edward Furlong fan than I am, as far as him playing John Connor. How did you feel about it?
0: I was just kind of like, "What the fuck are we doing?" Like, like immediately. Like, I, I just want to take you through the first viewing when, when we open with the videotape of uh, Sarah, you know, being interviewed by Dr. Silverman, you know, and it's going through that and it's got these sort of the opening credit scenes and I'm going, oh, okay, this is getting me right into that Terminator 2 mode. I'm like, okay, I can, I I think I might be on board with this. And then immediately that happens. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I I would have rather them not even have Connor in the Film, you know, just come up with some other reason. He's he's living his life in Colorado or something, you know. Like it was just, I just said, all right. Well, they've completely run out of ideas because they they can't figure out how to incorporate John Connor with his mom in one more adventure. That's kind of how I, I thought. I didn't even know what was going on, and I am I'm probably going to have more questions about this film than I think I'm going to have answers and i'm to understand that the terminator the t800 that killed john connor was sent back before they before the events of terminator 2 end it you know when they destroyed the final ship and everything like that cuz i was already like well where did he, where did this terminator come from
1: that's that's what i got um yeah just one other thing on john connor but yeah let me address that first that's what i got is that they sent back several terminators to different points in time cuz sarah mentions that later too that like She's she's waiting, you know, and she just shows up where the Terminators appear and, and kills them. Uh, but the idea, I guess, at least initially being that they all got sent back before um, the you know, they destroy the chip in Terminator 2. One of the other things that really rubbed me wrong about what they did with John is they made such a big friggin deal about Edward Furlong's coming back for this movie. And yeah. we're going to de-age him. And, you know, and they really rode that press train um, for a while that he was going to be back in it, and he's in it. We literally see him turn around from getting drinks, and he gets shot in the chest and dies. Like it's it can't be what more than fifteen seconds that he's in yeah. the movie. That was left a real sour taste in my mouth.
0: You didn't even need Edward Furlong for that role. I mean, the de aging to me, it just didn't even look. you could have done that to anybody. You could have just CGI'd. I'm just right away. I was very, very confused because this, this, this movie said, you know, it skipped the events of the previous sequels. We're sticking with T2. And I'm like, but if they stopped everything from happening and it it got right into that whole time travel paradox thing. And, you know, you said you hate it when a movie has to, uh, you know, you make you do homework before you watch it. This one already had me had my you know my the the the, the wheels spinning in my head going well, how is that even making sense and how are they going to explain that and and I was already frustrated with it I don't want to show my cards just yet so let's let's just take a step back for a moment because I just I want to focus on Arnold and Linda Hamilton and Mackenzie Davis and Natalie Reyes just. Just performances in the film like we did. I, we're not going to go through this movie point by point like we we did in the first two episodes. How did Arnold Schwarzenegger do in this film for you?
1: sees for me, he's still, he's so good. Yeah. He's so good. I mean, the big, bright, shining, beautiful, wonderful spot in this movie, regardless of what you think of the movie, is Arnold. And what's fascinating to me is he's doing the same thing he did in Genesis, which is trading on his age. But he's playing a com- yet again, a completely different Terminator. We have five out of these six movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and in all five of them, he plays completely different terminators and they don't look or act anything alike it is an amazing amazing acting feat like i will say the best thing about doing this series dana has i already loved arnie but it has opened up a whole new appreciation in me for for his acting and what he really brought to the table uh as as a personality and as an actor because what he does in this series is nothing short of amazing
0: yeah no, and I'm I'm going to second that. It takes him a while to even get into this movie before he even shows up. And I will admit that everything leading up to his introduction in the film felt like such a sort of paint by numbers, big budget tentpole checklist, big action sequence, exposition scene, big action sequence. I was not getting engaged with any of the characters. I was not again the 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 first big chase scene, which is again somewhat mirroring the terminator 2 and the terminator 3 chase scene i wasn't getting involved on that but as soon as arnold gets on the screen every time he's on the screen i am finding myself way more invested in what's happening so i agree with you he is still such a dynamic presence on screen in any movie that he's in for me, like he's, you know, I'm, I'm like you, I'm a diehard Arnold fan, but it's great to see him at his age still having this massive presence and just this energy about him. So, I, I second everything you said.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, I love, I'm actually looking at my notes here. I have, because it's been about a week and a half since I watched this, um, I didn't dislike that chase. I did like that it shows off Mackenzie Davis, like her throwing the rebar is really cool. And it gives her a chance to just look badass. But you're right. I have right here, man, this movie really slogs in the middle until they, until Arnie shows up. And I just love that he keeps going back to the drapes thing <laughs> like, i do drapes and he's just there's that scene where he's just telling the story about and so i told him there is no way those what you really need is this kind of thing and i'm uh oh, god it's just so good he's so good man
0: he is he is we're gonna get back to some some plot points are there in a little bit uh what about mackenzie davis
1: i mean i think she does fine i think she's good she certainly has a, a different physicality uh then, you know, you can certainly see the, again, we've talked about in this series, how you can kind of see the evolution of the action hero throughout the series. She's very, you know, she's not a bulked up you know, muscle, you know, bodybuilder like Arnold is. Um, She's very lean almost. And she moves almost like she's in like a John Wick movie, right? She's she's very lean and fast in the way she moves, unlike what we've seen from a lot of other Terminators. Um, And, and she's a very, very talented actress. I don't have any complaints about her. I don't think she really... She doesn't really lift the movie up in any way, but I don't think that's her fault.
0: Yeah. Uh, Gabriel Luna?
1: I... Like I said, he's Ghost Rider. He's always got a pass in my book. I think he might actually be the most boring Terminator of any of the Terminators in these movies. Uh, he just doesn't even register in this movie for me. Uh, how about you?
0: You know, it's interesting you say that because there were snippets of him when he is interacting with people where I thought he had a sort of a real affability about him when he was talking like when he was going to go through the security checkpoint with the uh, the border crossing guards or when he was just I just thought like like to me he came across as that true infiltrator type terminator because they said they were infiltration units the kind of the way they were. you know how Robert Patrick was so cordial In certain scenes in the first, in Terminator 2, when he's talking to the, the foster parents and when he's talking to the, the young ladies, when he's showing the picture, like he's just very cordial. I, I actually bought into that with this film. Now, having said that, the action set pieces with him and, you know, what his actual Rev 9 functionality is, I didn't give a shit. I'm sorry to use the language. (laughs) I just didn't give a shit. Oh, okay. So I think this case for his actual what his character is the this, this type of Terminator is a perfect example of um, too much. There's too much going on. He he can yeah. do too much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and absolutely because I do agree with you. Let me give credit where credits due. You know his infiltration scenes. You know, like when he's talking to the cops, he's like, y'all know where I can get a helicopter? Yeah. Like, like he's really good at those. And like I said, I love him as Ghost Rider. Like, yeah. I don't think Gabriel Luna is a bad actor. Part of it is, I think maybe after six of these movies, I'm a little bit tired of just watching Terminators punch one another. Yeah. But yeah, I also thought if your Terminator skill is actually less cool and less interesting from an action standpoint than jason clark's from genesis why do i care like like we already had nanobots in the last movie now this guy can just double himself like i guess they're going trying to go back to a little more gritty reality but i was just like i'm i don't know i just that's what i when i say i think he's like the most boring terminator his terminator the rev 9 I think is the most boring Terminator. It just does nothing for me in this movie.
0: And it's the most sophisticated one we've, well, the second most sophisticated one we've seen on screen. uh, And it was doing absolutely nothing for me in any of the action set pieces. Linda Hamilton. How do you feel like she did in this movie?
1: I feel like she did the best with what she had to work with. I mean, I feel like her character is a character we've seen before the, um, you know, I guess the idea was at the end of Terminator, to she was hopeful and optimistic and then John got killed and now we've just had 35 years of angry Sarah Connor um, that we didn't get to see. I like Linda Hamilton a lot. You know that. I love her. I, I, I'm happy to see her in anything. I was happy to see her in this. I think... She doesn't really come alive until Arnie joins the movie. And then it's almost like her game steps up a whole new level and the character gets a lot more interesting because now, you know, I mean, the entire story arc for Sarah Connor, the character development, her entire reason for being in this movie doesn't exist until Arnie shows up. Yeah. Like, and and so it's like, we only really get half of a movie, less than half of a movie with her, but that less than a half of a movie where she and him are in it together and they have to work through a bunch of shit is, is absolutely amazing. I, I think it's again, one of the, one of the high points of the movie.
0: I had differing opinions about the performance that she gave as the movie progressed. When she first shows up, and says I'll be back and just has this scene and I just thought well there's your fan service checklist check that box you know I was just like ah. but by the time we, like I, I'm gonna kind of mirror what you said there but as the movie progressed I started to see her character develop more I started to buy into it but I at first I thought to me I thought I don't think she genuinely even wants to be in this film. I I wasn't buying into the performance at all but it did evolve. And as I was kind of watching it more and more, I went back and put on Terminator 2 and watched about 30 minutes of that and I said no she's she's doing Sarah Connor and I started to really buy into it as the movie progressed. But that first 15 minutes, I thought she didn't it looked like she didn't even want to be on the screen. Like she was like, this is a paycheck movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And and again, I don't think I'm just going to say this and, and I'm sure we'll talk about Natalie Reyes too, but I'm just going to say this by and large about all the actors in this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're not doing their job I think there's a lot about the movie at a script and structural level that lets a lot of the actors down here yeah. um, This isn't necessarily a situation like salvation where uh, I think every you know almost everybody in that movie is turning in the worst work of their careers you know this is I think people are doing good work here there's just they're being let down by a script that's not up to stuff
0: yeah that's yeah that's a good yeah perfect perfect What about Natalie Reyes?
1: I mean, she's, she's a dynamic young actress. I don't think she's given a ton to do until the end of the movie. I think it's, again, people, some people have made fun of me on Twitter for beating a dead horse on this, but they just shifted the John Connor problem to to Natalie Reyes, right? Because now we're supposed to believe she's got to be the savior of humanity. But you know, I, she does good work. She's dynamic. She's interesting. She actually does get to go through the character change that's obviously trying to mirror Sarah Connor yeah. from the first one. I will say, I think they're cowards in this movie because the chemistry between her and Mackenzie Davis is through the roof. And if you're going to do this George Lucas poetry thing, they really should have done a Kyle Sarah thing with Grace and Danny. I, I that, that could have been A, great for representation. B, I think it would have been a nice character touch callback that, that would have have helped the movie to be honest with you because Natalie Reyes and Mackenzie Davis are playing that relationship whether that relationship is in the script or not
0: I would agree with you I agree I I wouldn't I, well I mean obviously with a 190 million dollar temple film you're not you're just not gonna get that it's just not gonna happen but yeah now that you say that 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 was definitely present so yep. if you were to explain the plot of this movie to somebody who hasn't seen it how would you explain this movie? I know I'm no one putting putting you on the spot, but I'm still just very after seeing it I, twice now, I'm still very confused about this film.
1: Uh, I would try and start by explaining the only way you could do it would be to basically leave out all the all the the continuity stuff, right? Like robot from the future comes back to kill the future leader of humanity, friendly augmented human comes back to protect her. They meet friends along the way and learn that the future is the friends they made along the way. But no, I I, like, but all the content, you know, that's what's so funny about this movie is for a movie that was supposed to wipe the slate clean, there is so much continuity snarl in this thing. And, And what, I was going to say this earlier, but this is as good a time as any. What cracks me up about it is one of the things so many people hate about Terminator 3 is the idea that it undoes the the no fate, but what we make. And so the idea that this is wiping Terminator 3 clean, it's like, well, OK, they come back and they destroy the chip in Terminator 2. They come back and they kill John Connor. And guess what? Skynet still happens. It's just under a different name. Like it's the exact same Fatalistic view as Terminator Three, so you didn't actually undo Terminator Three. You did the same thing, just shittier. Yeah. Sorry, that was a little bit of a rant.
0: No, 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 no. But, no, I no, but, but it was I was uh, talking to my friend from you know live stream Kay Rodriguez today, and I mentioned that we were uh, we were going to be recording this episode, and she said, you know, it, the pitch meeting for for Terminator Dark Fate would be it's exactly the same as the other Terminators, but different.
1: Yeah. 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 No. Exactly. <laughs> uh
0: i i just with terminator genesis i was able to follow what was going on even though there were some crazy crazy batshit timeline issues glaring issues but it was still i was still along for the ride and just kind of for the lack of a better term we talked about it, like kind of enjoy myself watching this film this movie i was just very much like what, what now what what's happening now who is this now wait what's legion you know, like it was just very. Maybe we should just get into what we what we like and what we don't like about this film. I think that's going to be the best way for us to sort of segue sure. into into some of our issues. So let me put what I like. What I've got written down for what I like. What I like about this film. We've already touched on it. Is Arnold Schwarzenegger's performance. I think he's fantastic in this film. I liked the evolution of Linda Hamilton's performance in the film. I liked Mackenzie Davis. I liked Natalie Reyes. And like I said, I, I actually liked Gabriel Luna when he wasn't the CGI shit show, which we're going to get to in a second when we talk about what we don't like about this film. And so I'm going to agree with what you said, that these actors, they're all, I think they're all very good actors, were doing the job that they were hired to do. And they were probably following, quote, directions to a T. So we can't really fault
1: them. Would you agree? no i I mean yes yes i would agree 100 percent. i don't think we can fault. i don't think there's a bad performance in this movie uh that wasn't by design right like like i think the rev 9 is a boring terminator because they were trying to replicate the robert patrick thing gabriel luna has walked around with a flaming skull for a head like dude (laughs) knows how to be cool in cgi um and so like it it I don't think the actors – I don't think a single one of the actors is at fault for anything in this movie.
0: Another thing that I wrote down was I appreciated the fact that this was an R-rated film. Uh, I appreciate the fact that obviously, you know, Tim Miller did Deadpool, R-rated film, incredibly successful. In fact, uh, I'd have to double-check this, but may have become the highest grossing R-rated film of all time when it was released. I mean, it it did amazing numbers. So, you know, with Deadpool – proves you can do R-rated action films. We wouldn't have gotten Logan without Deadpool, I can't imagine. So I appreciated that it was time to return to its Terminator roots with being R-rated. The first three films were R-rated. The the next two subsequent sequels were rated PG-13. Bring it back to R. That almost was enough to entice me to go see it in the theater. I didn't see it in the theater. Um, so I did write that. I appreciated that it was R-rated. Um,
1: yeah, and I mean, I mean, Linda Hamilton can swear with the best of them. I mean, her ability to use the F-word is, is pretty terrific. She knows how to put just the right amount of, of spit and vinegar on it when she yeah. says it. It's It's great.
0: That's all I've got for the likes. So what do you have for your likes?
1: (laughs) Well, so I'm going to concur with the actors and I'm really going to concur with Arnie, but I'm going to go even a little deeper because I really think the character of Carl is interesting, you know, for I don't know. I can't remember if we've mentioned it already or not, but he's the one that actually kills John Connor. And then we find out that after that, his mission was complete. And so all he does is. Kind of grow old. He gets married. He raises a son, not his son, but, you know, they have, he's got this happy family life where he does drapes. But we also find out that he's the one that's been helping Sarah destroy these Terminators as they land because he's actually learned the need for atonement. There's a lot going on with his character, man. I I don't know how much of it's actually in the script and how much of it is Arnie just being amazing, but there's a lot going on with his character. He is, and he's probably, if you added up his total screen time, Dana, it's what, less than 20 minutes probably. Yeah. yeah. And he does more in that 20 minutes and the movie is more interesting in that 20 minutes than it is in the other hour and 40 minutes combined. So I, I, I think he's really terrific. Well, uh if go I, ahead,
0: if I could just just uh, just one one thing I want to say about that because I had to have sort of a, a little mini breakthrough when I was watching the movie because the, when they were sort of just pitching this he's Carl, he does drapes and he's married with kids I I was going what are you talking about? Like who came up with this? And then as I was sort of pondering it I realized that it's been made abundantly clear that skynet became self-aware that you know legion has become self-aware that you know these these supercomputers become self-aware and the terminator has this advanced chip in its system so he became self-aware and as soon as i had that moment in real time when i was watching the film i totally bought into that
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and they even touch on some stuff because like Sarah says, you know, so your wife doesn't care that you weigh 800 pounds or whatever. And, and he says, you know, because he said that she was in, if I remember right, she was in an abusive relationship. He helped her get out of it. And she said, our relationship was never physical. She liked me for the security that I could provide, you know, and like that's some interesting. Man, I want that movie. Yeah. I want I want the movie about old ass Carl learning how to be human. Like that is actually a vastly more interesting movie than. uh 57 terminator you know um and the end when he is is destroying the rev 9 and says you know for john that i will fully admit that just friggin' killed me and that was all arnold that was 100 just the way he delivered that line that just absolutely tore me up um so everything arnie i think is good i think the last fight between the rev nine mackenzie davis sarah danny and carl is is really cleanly shot really well choreographed there's some really the kind of stuff that i was expecting from a tim miller movie finally shows up in that last fight you know danny's flinging that chain around Mm -hmm. like it's like it's nunchucks and stuff i really thought that last fight was pretty great i thought most of the action scenes leading up to it were pretty mediocre but i thought that last fight was was really good
0: anything else on your what you like list
1: Um, no, not really, to be honest with you. (laughs) No.
0: What I've got written at the top of my list of uh, things I didn't like about this movie is and what took me out of the film permanently uh, is something I think is almost unforgivable for a film that was released in 2019. And I that is I thought the CGI in this film was terrible. I thought this was among some of the worst CGI effects that I have seen. And I, I just think with a movie with this budget, you know, I've I've come to understand that sometimes it's it's less expensive to do practical shots than to do CG uh, renderings, if you will. And I feel like they went so CGI in some scenes when they didn't have to. I just, I wasn't buying in into any of it. And, and it starts with the Rev 9 and it gets into these crazy action set pieces and none of it, none of it was working for me.
1: I think that's why I really liked the last fight, because the last fight felt so much more tactile. You know, there's still a crap ton of CGI. And once again, they're having a last fight in what appears to be a spark factory. Yeah. But nonetheless, <laughs> you know, it, it feels tactile. That's the first time in the movie where it really feels like the punches hurt and are connecting with yeah. things. And because so much of the other action, you know, we've talked about this, I you're You're a very old school dude. You love practical effects. I do too. I don't have quite the same dislike of CGI. But what I don't like about bad CGI is it doesn't feel tactile. It doesn't feel like there's weight to it. And it's only when we get to this last fight that I feel like we start getting some some actual weight. I'm with you on all the other action set pieces though. I, I thought... Well, I'll get to it when I get to my dislikes. But yeah, I agree with you.
0: I, I may fire up this film and and just go right to the last action, like the last grant, the finale, because I think by that point, you know, when we're parachuting in a hum, you know, we're in a Humvee with a parachute and Mackenzie's just holding on. And I'm just going, what are we doing? And we're fighting underwater. By that point. I was just grinding out this movie to get through it so we could record this podcast. So I'll probably go back and just revisit that scene just to just to get maybe a fresh perspective on the way you just described it.
1: Yeah, and and I think, um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I do, I, well, and that whole, you know, it's funny when we were watching it, Kelsey was like, that whole scene, there's the scene where they're like on the train and then, yeah, the scene with the Humvee and stuff. And look, I have a perfectly tuned home theater and we've watched five terminator movies prior to this and she did not make this complaint once uh, until dark fate i can't see what the hell's going on yeah like that whole thing with the humvee and the underwater and like it is so poorly lit that it just is ridiculous and again i know that's not my tv because i've watched five terminator movies prior to this that don't have that
0: problem yeah no that's uh and again this is where i have to say that this was what was unforgivable for me. This was what took me out of the film. And I was never able to get back into it. And the more we talk about Arnold scenes with Carl, I'm thinking, well, that was – there's really no CGI involved in any of those scenes at the cabin. So, I was just like, that's probably another reason why I was so sort of, oh, I'm interested in this part.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the best the best CGI effect in this movie is still – it, 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 like every Terminator movie, the best special effect is still Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, like like he is the best special effect in the entire movie.
0: Uh, for the other things that I wrote down, I mean that was obviously the most glaring. the The second second thing I wrote down, I kind of touched on it, which was sort of you know I didn't like the way Hamilton was introduced in the film, although I thought she got much better. And frankly, I just wrote down not engaged in this film whatsoever. I was just never engaged. I found myself more engaged in Terminator Salvation the first time I watched it than than this one. Like that just to give you an idea. Like I, this movie to me, um, I'm a, you know what? I'm gonna stop there because I want to save it for my closing thoughts. So, what do you got on your
1: list? I mean, you've you've hit on a lot of it already. The one that I'm really I'm hesitant to even bring it up because I, I think you know and we really try and avoid talking politics in on this show at all but um, and I'm not gonna get into some political diatribe, but the movie kind of makes it important to talk about because it sets an entire major action set piece in in it. I thought the half-hearted stab at relevance, for the immigration thing was uh, one, a pretty poor scene and two, kind of in poor taste because the movie didn't give it enough time or credit to do it justice. It was almost just like it was in there to say, hey, look at that. We know what's going on at the border and we're relevant now, you know, yeah. and I just I it really... Ugh, it wasn't good at all. And I didn't think, I mean, I thought, I guess the idea of the Rev-9 just tearing hell through this this border camp could have been good, but it just, oh, it was not, uh, that scene just fell flat for uh, seven different reasons for me. Um, yeah,
0: I'm just, you know what, I won't add to that. I'll just go, I agree.
1: Yeah. I've always commented on the music in these ser- In this series. And, and, you know, Genesis had a terrific Lauren Balfie score, maybe the best Terminator score we've gotten since Brad Fidel's original. Uh, the score in this one from Junkie XL is back to... Uh, more or less just ambient noise. It's not really very interesting. I mean, there is one part where we get the kicking in that that really does a good job. But for the most part, it's just ambient background noise. I, uh, I didn't like... The way they started off with danny's character i thought she came across far less sympathetic than sarah did at the start of the movie again not natalie Reyes' fault i i think by the end of the movie she gets there and i liked her just fine by the end of the movie but but it's not off to a great start with the the whole start of the movie is just not that great with like her brother getting killed and stuff it just isn't i don't know it starts fast but it feels kind of messy does that make sense
0: yeah it does and that's another thing like when you look at something like terminator 2 or even the terminator how long is it before we get like a big action set piece it's 25 30 40 minutes into the film you know yeah, this yeah. is you know these days the big uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be on my high horse or show that i'm in my 40s and i miss classic films but you, you get you you give us this big action set piece 10 minutes into the movie and it's like whoa 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 who is everybody you know, so I'm just, I just, that's just another gripe that's coming off the top of my head. That's just like, yeah, ex- movies today just have to give you, your, your I guess they think our attention spans aren't there anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, too, that I will say, you know, we talked about this with Terminator 1, 2, and 3, which is they wait quite a while before you get the first big action scene. And they're still riveting movies uh, before that, you know, Terminator One and Two, the first action scene doesn't come until the end of the first act, right? And uh, and and they're still riveting movies, and they're monstrously efficient. They're amazing. This movie is flabby as hell. There is so much flab. You know, we get the the freeway scene or the highway scene where Sarah appears and then we go all the way basically to the camp on the border there's almost I think when I timed it there's almost an hour or 45 minutes where we don't have a single action scene and everything that's going on there is just boring and flabby and could have taken place in 20 minutes like what is what is the the Mackenzie Davis needing drugs? Other than giving her character a weakness, which she already has because they make it abundantly clear she's human, yeah. not a Terminator. What does that add to the movie other than slow it down?
0: Yeah. I remember, I remember watching it going, "What? wait, oh no. And this is going to end up, I said, you know, and this is going to end up having a big thing at the end of the film, but it really doesn't.
1: No, it, it, it adds just, absolutely nothing. Like
0: she, she, she gets overheated, and Sarah just shows up with another syringe. Like later on the film, like here you go, good to go. And I'm like, okay, so this is like video game power ups. All of a sudden, it, it serves no purpose. None, none.
1: I mean, I, I think anything else, I'll save it for my uh, for my closing, my closing thoughts. And
0: on that note, let me ask you this, Mike: Would you recommend Terminator: Dark
1: Fate? This one's actually tough. This is the toughest one I've had. I mean, I'm really going to piss people off once they listen to the last episode and they know that I like Genesis quite a bit. (laughs) And I think it's going to be very clear. I like Genesis a lot more than this movie. I am going to give it the slightest, the absolute slightest of all possible recommendations because I think Carl by himself is worth a watch. I think... You're going to miss a truly terrific Arnold Schwarzenegger performance if you don't watch this movie. I will say, after you've watched it once, I would just go on YouTube and find a supercut of all his scenes and watch that in the future. So I'm giving it a, a microscopically small recommendation to watch once just for Arnold. Um, but that's it. I cannot recommend a single thing else, really, about this. Even though I like the last. Last Fight. Look, you can watch a bunch of good Last Fights. Like, like, reach out to me and ask me about some martial arts movies. I'll give you good Last Fights. Uh, so even though I like the Last Fight, like, I can't recommend anything else in this movie. But I do have to give props to our boy and and recommend it for him.
0: For me, and this is really is not hard for me to say. I think this is. And I don't want to use labels like worst, but. I think this is the Terminator film of the six that I would revisit the least. I would probably be able to sit through uh, Salvation a few more times than try to sit through this film again. I was not enjoying myself. Look, I give props to Arnold. He was great in the scenes that he was in. Those were quickly diminished when we, whenever once we were past the scene at the cabin and Arnold's part of the team, I again just completely zoned out. What's interesting about this film is you've got Tim Miller on one side and you've got James Cameron on the other side, and and they're 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 brought together to sort of collaborate. What I think I would have rather have seen would have been a purely Tim Miller Terminator film, or of course a purely James Cameron Terminator film. I don't think these two are good collaborators, at least. Not yet. And from what I read, they're probably not going to be working together anytime soon.
1: No, I would agree. There definitely feels like a little bit of push and pull back and forth as far as the strike. And maybe that's why the script and then the structure of the movie is such a mess.
0: The thing is, I I went back and watched Deadpool and it was those who know me know I am not. A big comic book film guy like that's not my thing like i've i've seen a couple of the x-men films i wasn't even aware that deadpool had cameoed in a wolverine film. like i listen, i just and i make no bones about that like they're just not the type of movies that i'm i'm into but i went back and watched uh deadpool after watching dark fate and had a hell of a good time with that movie i was the pace of it the, the humor the comedy the you know the raunchiness the r-rated action i was on board and i just said to myself well Why do I feel like, why do I get the singing suspicion that Tim Miller was, had at least one hand tied behind his back while
1: making Dark Fate? Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, it, it, you know, Deadpool was such a scrappy little movie. I mean, first of all. It only even got made because Tim Miller and Ryan Reynolds leaked the, you know, eight minute promo reel that they had done. They leaked that to the Internet. and They got such good, massive reception. They basically put Fox in a corner and forced them to make the movie. And then Fox said, oh, we'll make it. But we're only going to give you, I think it was 60 million dollars. Try, you know, good luck making a superhero movie on 60 million dollars. And they went, well, okay, great. But then we're going to make it R rated. And they did it. I mean, it's delightful. It's so much fun. It And again, yeah, the action's clean and it feels like it feels like a movie where everybody involved is on the same page. Yeah. This does not feel like a movie where everybody involved is on the same page. I am not going to put Tim Miller in director jail for this. I will happily watch whatever movie he does next because I do think he has legitimate skills i think he's a legitimately talented director um obviously i'm gonna watch i'm certainly not putting cameron in jail i'm gonna watch all the avatars when they come out but uh, yeah they were a bad mix they did not work well together
0: yeah absolutely do you have any closing thoughts on terminator dark fate
1: um, you know, having watched all of these now, I'm just gonna consider them all. When people ask me, I'm gonna consider them all canon. Uh, I think they're all uh, they're all just alternate timelines. Um, no, I I think you know this one was the lowest grossing Terminator, I believe, of of the entire series. Uh, Uh, inflation adjusted, because I think Terminator 1 would still be the lowest grossing. But if you adjust for inflation, that made a boatload of money. I think it's a relatively ignoble end to the series. I think it's time to stop going back to the Terminator. Well, they've tried it several different times. And I don't think the I you know, Way back at the start of this series, I said, I don't think Terminator ever needed a sequel. I still stand by that. As much as I like Terminator 2, as much as I like Terminator 3, and even as much as I enjoyed Genesis, I don't think the idea can sustain a franchise. There's not enough to the idea to sustain a franchise. I think it's time to let it go.
0: You know, I look at, uh, you know, I've I've made the, the, well, I've said that I think Terminator 2 is a fitting end to the story. I know that you are, you know, very much- the first Terminator is a fitting end to that story. I was against the idea of Terminator 3 after I saw it the first time. I've come around on that. Uh, Salvation, Genesis, and Dark Fate are three vastly different films from each other. And I think of those three, the only one that I actually found myself enjoying, which I think has come as a surprise to a lot of people, was Genesis. And, you know, because that one had the most Arnold in it (laughs) out of those three.
1: It's got the most Arnold and it's the most fun. It's just a balls out, crazy, big budget, action movie. It's not really a great Terminator movie, I guess, as much as that exists. But yeah, I cannot deny I had a lot of fun watching Genesis. And I'm not doing the like, just turn your brain off and enjoy it, man. Like, I think Genesis is legitimately a fun movie. I think it's got good humor. It's got good action. And it's got an amazing Arnold. I that Yeah, I'm with you. Genesis is the only one of those three that I will ever revisit in the future.
0: All right. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'll let you think about it because I'll go first if we were to rank all six films in what order would you go i will go first so number one would be terminator number two would be terminator two number three would be terminator three (laughs) number four would be terminator genesis number five would be terminator salvation and i would put number six at terminator dark fate how about for you
1: so Terminator One in a whole up way up high in a whole different league uh, from any of the other movies. Terminator Two and Three would be next. Uh, depending on the day, I might put one over the other, but I'm just gonna basically I'll say Terminator Two, Terminator Three, but they're they're right there. I I, I like both of those movies pretty much equally. Uh, then I would go likewise Genesis, and then. For me, I would go Dark Fate and then all the way down in a movie that I never even want to think about again would be Terminator Salvation for me. Uh you and I, this is the really the only and I don't even want to call it a disagreement because we're not like disagreeing, yeah. but like the only thing that we really don't line up on is, is you like Salvation slightly, you know, you hate salvation slightly less than yeah. Dark Fate, <laughs> and I'm the I'm the other way around. I think <clears throat> I think Dark Fate has enough to recommend it for me that I would watch if if I was at a party and they Put it on. I wouldn't leave the party if I was at a party and somebody put salvation on. I'm faking food poisoning <laughs> and going home.
0: That's awesome. Well, we've uh, we did it. Six, we did it. six films six each of these episodes were at least an hour in length so we're talking about a more than six hour long conversation on the terminator franchise we're uh, we're looking forward to diving into more franchises i know you and i have had some conversations on the phone and we're we're trying to get all of that in order and so we're excited to announce soon what our next retrospective will be so mike if people want to follow you on social media how can they do that
1: you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxed at Hibachi Justice. Uh, Twitter is where I'm the most active. Letterboxed, I do uh, rate all of the movies I watch. And you can also find our uh, ongoing list of recommendations from the 20th Century Movie Club there. Uh, so that those are the two best places to reach out to me.
0: Absolutely. And if you want to follow this show on Twitter, you can do so at Dana Buckler Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Dana Buckler. You can follow the show on Instagram at The Dana Buckler Show. You can follow me on Instagram at The Real Dana Buckler. You can go to the website, TheDanaBucklerShow.com, show.com. And you can always email the show with questions or comments at thedanabuckler show at gmail.com. All right, Mike, we did it. That was fantastic. I really appreciate you going on this journey with me, and I look forward to taking many more.
1: Yeah, no, this has been great, man. This has been, you know, I've, I've loved doing this podcast with you for, for the last year and a half, but this has been by far and away the most enjoyable thing we've done. I really had a great time doing this. Okay. So so thank you for asking me to come with you on this journey.
0: Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm so glad we're doing this and, and we've got many more to go. So I'm looking forward to it. So stay safe, my friend. We'll talk soon. Okay. All right. And my name is Dana Buckler and thank you so much for listening.